Welcome to the Scott Ross Discipleship Podcast. Scott has been discipling men and women for more than 20 years and is passionate about helping you grow into the full measure of the maturity of Christ. Grab your Bible, something to write with, and your favorite warm beverage, and let's listen as Scott takes us deeper in our walk with God. Welcome, everybody. Appreciate you guys being here. Um, We are still going through our pneumatology study, and just a quick uh, summary of where we've been so far. Uh, The doctrine of the Holy Spirit, we've, you know, discussed the fact that the Holy Spirit is a person. We've discussed the fact that the Holy Spirit is fully God, deity, the third member of the Trinity. And we have started going through a survey of the progressive revelation of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament because obviously uh, there's a ton about uh, the Holy Spirit in the New Testament and we're going to get there and we're going we're to answer a whole bunch of questions that you guys wanted to make sure we answer in this study and um, you know, discuss things like how is the whole, what is the Holy Spirit's role in the salvation process, what is the Holy Spirit's role in the sanctification process, what's going on with the gifts of the Spirit, what's going on with the idea of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all of those things that you guys asked us about. But I thought, like I said before, that it would be really interesting because virtually no one in their life is going to do a really full survey of the Old Testament as it relates to the Holy Spirit. So we're going to do that in a, in a brief form. And we were in the uh, Pentateuch or the Torah when we last left off. And uh, we got to Genesis 41. We're doing kind of six um, examples of the Holy Spirit being revealed to us in the Pentateuch that are uh, indicative of what happens or or how the Holy Spirit has been revealed to us uh, in the first five books of the Old Testament. And we come to Genesis 41 where we get this, um, it's, it's, uh, this is where Joseph's life is being described. If you all remember Joseph, he was one of the brothers of, um, Jacob and he, um, had this dream that he was going to rule over his brothers, and of course they sell him into slavery. He is goes through a lot of hardship in Egypt, and uh, this is where the Holy Spirit is going to be working through Joseph to reveal the interpretation or the accurate interpretation of Pharaoh's dreams. And so um, in Genesis 41, 37, 38, the proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants, and he said to them, can we find anyone like this man who has God's spirit in him. Um, interesting little trivia, if you ever taken Bible trivia, and the question is, who is the first person in Scripture that's ever called wise? Ding, ding, ding. The answer is Joseph. So I expect you all to get that right moving forward. Um, he, he has that distinction that he gets to be called wise before everybody else. But isn't it interesting, too, that um, this attribute of the Holy Spirit or God's Spirit being on a person is is noticed by a Gentile, by a pagan. Pharaoh is the one who says, where can we find somebody who has God's Holy Spirit in him? And we saw similar state, or we're going to see, I should say, similar statements like this when we get to Daniel, because King Nebuchadnezzar is going to notice something similar about Daniel, that here is a, here's a Gentile king noticing that the Holy Spirit of God is on Daniel. Um, we'll just show you where that is in Daniel 4. Finally, Daniel named Bel- uh, Belteshazzar after the 
name of my God and a spirit of the holy gods is in them came before me. I told him the dream, Belteshazzar, head of the magicians, because I know that you have the spirit of the holy gods and that no mystery puzzles you. Explain to me the visions of my dream that I saw and its interpretation. Now, obviously, um, Nebuchadnezzar is not a Christian. He is not a Jew at this point. He's not a follower of Yahweh. So he doesn't get the theology exactly right, but he notices that there is this spirit of God, that there's this spirit of deity that resides on Daniel and works through Daniel. It's obvious to him. So that's the same thing that's happening here in uh, Genesis 41 where Pharaoh notices that. And then Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. So Joseph makes sure that Pharaoh doesn't think that it's his doing, that like, yeah, I'm this I have this great power. I have this great wisdom. I'm the, I'm this magician. He's like, yeah, God's re- God's the one revealing um, what's going what's going on. And um, in Psalm 105, uh, if you start the psalm, it starts to list these anointed patriarchs. And Joseph is named amongst those who were anointed with the Spirit of God. And it says, He had sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They heard his feet with shackles. His neck was put in an iron collar. Until the time his prediction came true, the word of the Lord tested him. The king sent for him and released him. The ruler of people set him free. He made him master of his household, ruled over all his possessions, binding his officials at will and instructing his elders. So um, Psalm 105 recognizes that Joseph was a person who was anointed with the Spirit of God amongst others that it lists in Psalm 105. So uh, going back to Genesis 41, um, he received his understanding from uh, his discerning from the Holy Spirit. Uh, by the way, we see this also in Exodus, uh, this idea of the Holy Spirit giving um, wisdom or discernment. You were to instruct the skilled artisans whom I have filled with a spirit of wisdom to make Aaron's garment for consecrating him to serve me as a priest. And then we see a similar thing here. Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. So uh, this gift that Joseph is, receives is something that we see elsewhere in, in the Torah. Any questions on Genesis 41 and Joseph's being anointed by the Holy Spirit to interpret the dreams of Pharaoh? Okay. The next one's in Numbers chapter 11. Now, the setting for what we're about to describe in Numbers is the grumbling of the Israelites at only getting manna to eat. You know, it's like, we ain't had nothing to eat but maggoty bread for three stinking days. That's what I think of when I, when I think of this. Uh, if, you're, if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, you know what I'm talking about. So, um, yeah. So, so, you know, the, the nation of Israel is, is led out into the wilderness and they're complaining and they're grumbling. And Moses is basically done with these people. You know, he's like, what can you, like... I, go ahead and kill me. He literally tells God, just kill me, please kill me, because he doesn't want to deal with the Israelites anymore. And so God says, okay, I, I'm going to have, I'm going to get you some help. 
and he tells Moses to gather 70, 70 elders. Now, the word elder at the time wasn't like an elder in our church. The elder, an eldership was a common thing amongst their people for somebody who oversaw like a community or a section of the tribes or whatever. And so he's like, I want you to gather for me 70 elders. So uh, 11, Numbers 11, 16 through 17 the Lord answered Moses, Bring me 70 men from Israel known to you as elders and officers of the people. Take them to the tent of meeting and have them stand there with you. Then I will come down and speak with you there. I will take some of the spirit who is on you and put the spirit on them. They will help you bear the burden of, your, uh, of the people so that you do not have to bear it by yourself. So he's going to take some of the Holy Spirit that he has anointed Moses with, and he's going to anoint these 70 elders. And if you look at Numbers 11.25, it says, Then the Lord descended in the cloud and spoke to him. He took some of the Spirit who was on Moses and placed the Spirit on the 70 elders. As the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but never did it again. Now, we don't know what the content of the prophecy is. It doesn't say what um, the prophecy was, but clearly it was, uh, they prophesied in order for the people to see that they had some unique calling that was on them in the same way that Moses had a unique calling on him. And we're going to see this idea of the Holy Spirit being given to someone in order to verify their authority or God's choosing them throughout the rest of Scripture. In fact, when we get to the next section, we're going to get out of the Torah in a second, and we're going to be into the historical books. So Judges, uh, you know, uh, Joshua, 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles. We're going to see the God's Holy Spirit's going to be put upon someone to verify, yes, this is the one I've chosen. And what we can even look forward, a little uh, spoiler alert in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit comes upon the apostles in Acts chapter 2, they speak in tongues to verify, yes, the Holy Spirit's now on them. And then when people are brought into the kingdom in the very first part of church history, we see that same pattern happening. So um, they prophesy. Now um, there is two guys, Eldad and Medad, and they apparently like went, you know, they just went full out. Like, they just, like, all the prophesying they could possibly do. And this became a big worry uh, for Joshua because it says, Two men had remained in the camp, one named Eldad and the other Medad. The spirit rested on them. They were among those listed but had not gone out to the tent, and they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and reported to Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp, which, you know, that's crazy. It's crazy that they would do that. So Joshua, son of Nun, assistant to Moses, since his youth, responded, Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses asked him, are you jealous on my account? If only all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would place his spirit on them. In this interesting yeah. wish, if only all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would place his spirit on them on them. See, um, Joshua's worried about Moses' reputation. Like, they need, the, the, the Israelites need to see you're the guy. And these guys are over here in the camp, and they're prophesying, and Moses is like, bro, I don't care. Like, this is what we want. We want the Lord's Spirit 
on people. And we want these people being used of the Lord in a mighty way. And of course, uh, Moses' wish is going to come true. It's prophesied in Joel chapter 2. After this, I will pour out my spirit on all humanity. Then your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will have dreams and your young men will see visions. I will even pour out my spirit on the male and female slaves in those days. And of course, this prophecy is going to be fulfilled in the book of Acts. We're going to see it fulfilled. So, the Holy Spirit, um, in order to uh, help Moses out, God's going to place his Holy Spirit on these 70 elders, and they're going to be able to be anointed to do some of the work to take the burden off of, off of Moses. And it is God verifying to everybody in Israel, these people have authority just like Moses has to do work on my behalf. And so if they say something, you need to listen to them. Any questions or thoughts on that? The um, statement about uh, Moses says, if only everybody was a prophet. Yeah. Paul says something similar um, about, the, about the gifts. You know, like if you're going to seek a gift, seek prophecy above every, you know, everything else. Mm -hmm. But I think in the same, if I'm remembering right, he's also making love is the most important thing anyways. Sure. Yeah, combining scriptures. I don't even remember the address. It's all good. Uh, you're 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 on the right track there. I mean, in in Corinthians chapter thirteen, this is what he's talking about. And you know, we have we're gonna when we get to Corinthians thirteen, we're gonna look at that this in a in a deep way. But you know, one of the things that Paul is dealing with is that the Corinthian church had a lot of chaos. Uh, and there was a lot of self-aggrandizement where people were trying to make themselves look good by, you know, um, exhibiting these externally noticeable gifts like tongues. And so some of it is rhetoric that he's using there too, like, hey, I wish everybody would speak in tongues, but here's the real thing that's going on. That's kind of what he's saying, right? Um, uh, and, and, and what we'll see, again, not to put the cart before the horse, but we're going to see that obviously not everyone does receive the same gift, that God gave different gifts to various people so that we would become one body and coalesce together to be, uh, um, as it says in First Peter, we are a spiritual house, right? We're being spiritual. We're spiritual stones being built upon the cornerstone, and every stone plays its role. But you're exactly right. That's a good insight. So I have a question. Mm -hmm. My thing that's throwing me, and I mean I can get over it, but mm. my question is about why it says that part of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. was taken off of Moses, mm -hmm. and or, yeah, some of the Holy Spirit, and then put on the other people, and it's like. Because, I mean, God transcends place and time. And mm -hmm. is, 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 so that was just odd to me. Yes, understood. No, I mean, it, 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 well, it gets into the progressive revelation of the Holy Spirit because they, God hasn't revealed everything about the Holy Spirit yet to mankind. In fact, you know, God hasn't revealed that there's a second person in the Trinity yet, really, right? So... Uh, it would be like if he just tried to start talking about Christ right there, they wouldn't know what he was talking about. So they only understand this much. This is, and by the way, this is my only explanation for what you're saying because I agree with you. It's a, it's a, it's a challenging uh, way to have worded that section. Is that God is God is simply not yet decided to completely reveal the fact that the Holy Spirit is a is fully deity, but yet a separate person. And that the Holy Spirit can indwell whoever uh, he decides he's going to indwell without any, you know, compartmentalization. Yes, sir. I look at it as a non-technical way of the writer saying 
the same stuff mm -hmm. that we call the Spirit of God that was on Moses. Yes. It's not a different spirit from a different thing. Correct. It's the same thing. And, okay. and sort of a very non-technical way of... of I agree with you. There. I, think it's, I think it's very well said. Yes. And when I, and kind of the image I have in my mind, because I'm studying light mm -hmm. in the Bible, mm -hmm. is that, you know, like if you take some light and you put it over here, mm -hmm. it's still the same light. Correct. And it, it, it's not like, mm -hmm. I don't know, part of light is still light. So part of the Spirit is still the Spirit yeah, totally agree. I mean, I, everything you both said is correct. I, I'm with Laura, though. It, it is it is a bizarre way to say it for us in the New Testament with our understanding because it's like, I'm going to peel some of this off is what it sounds like. Right. I'm going to take a 100-watt light bulb to a 60-watt light bulb. I'm going to take, you know, I've given you 100 watts. Right. And I'm going to take part off and give it over here so now you only have 60. And yes. <laughs> I don't yes, exactly. No, it is odd. It is odd. And they can kill your whole family if they break on the floor. But that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, I just something. I don't know if this is a weird time to put this in. But you know whenever they light the candles? And they take the candle and they light it. And then they take some of that one and move it over to this one. And move it over to okay. that one. And it all is... Lighting someone else's candle doesn't diminish your candle. Yeah, it's all like... It's the same flame. Yeah. flame. That's good. Thank you. I don't know. Lord... That's not what Karl Marx says. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, it's really crazy because you know, you know how fire works. Not really. It has three parts. <laughs> they all have to be there. Yeah. They, call it the, they call it the triangle of fire. Oh, there are three elements to a fire, and if any one of them is missing, you don't have fire. So air? You have to have fuel, you have to have oxygen, and you have to have ignition. The you know, source of heat. Oh, the will talk about the, and it's like a trinity almost. So mm -hmm. I love your analogy when you think of that too. Mm -hmm. There's three parts to it. Okay, now we're going to get to uh, Numbers 22 through 24, which is a really interesting section because, as we've talked about before, the Hebrew word of ruach, which is the breath, and the ruach Elohim which is God's breath or God's spirit, the spirit of God, that is not going to have be limited to only Israelites because now we're going to get to the very weird story of Balaam. Okay, And Balaam is one of the most challenging people to understand and to really get our brains around in, in all of Scripture. But basically, Balaam is a pagan and... Um, um, there's a, a king who want the Moabite king wants to curse the Israelites, and so this Balaam guy is known for being somebody who can curse people, and so he asks Balaam to come curse the Israelites, and God tells Balaam, no, don't do that. And in fact, this is the famous story of the donkey because he gets on his donkey to go curse the Israelites, and the angel of the Lord stands in the road, and the donkey's like, oh, I can't go, and he starts trying to beat the donkey to death. And the donkey's like, God speaks to the donkey. He's like, hey, bro, why are you beating me? This is my paraphrase. This is the Scott version of the scripture. But he's like, bro, why are you hitting me? And he's like, I wish I had a sword to kill you. And he's like, look, how long have I served you? Have I ever been unwilling to do what you wanted me to do? And he's like, no. And then God reveals, oh, there's an angel there. And the donkey was doing what I told him to do. Anyway, so the spirit of God, the Ruach Elohim, is going to be given to Balaam, this non-Yahweh follower. 
So um, Numbers 24, 2 through 3, when Balaam looked up and saw Israel encamped tribe by tribe, the Spirit of God came on him, and he proclaimed his poem. And there's this really long thing that he says here. And in Numbers 24, 17, I see him, but now I perceive him, but not near. A star will come from Jacob, and a scepter will arise from Israel. He will smash the forehead of Moab and strike down the Shethites. So uh, he's actually prophesying the Messiah's coming here. He's predicting Jesus, but he's not a Yahweh follower. So it's very interesting that the Holy Spirit is given to this guy in order to speak the word of the Lord. Now the question is, does he do that today? But yeah, it is a good question. So what we learn in the Pentateuch, first of all, the Holy Spirit is active from the very beginning, right? This is going back several weeks, so just to refresh our memory, the Holy Spirit was involved in creation, involved in the creation process, um, very active in the creation process. The Holy Spirit is revealed as divine in the Pentateuch. The Holy Spirit is revealed as personal and active during creation, pre-flood, during the Egyptian bondage, during the wilderness years. So it goes to, to um, further confirm what we said before, that the Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not some sort of, you know, I don't know, emanation from God the Father, but is personal and is active on his own. And it is error to suggest the Holy Spirit only becomes active in the New Testament. Any questions about that? Okay. So let's go down to the historical books. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, Samuel, Kings, Chronicles. Just, by the way, this little trivia for you. You're like, why don't you say First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, and First and Second Chronicles? And the reason just is, A, it's shorter, and B, uh, they weren't originally two books each. They were just originally Chronicles or Kings. or Exactly. So uh, we have done that for our own uh, ease with which we, we go through them. So, um, By the way, the Old Testament is not Trinitarian per se. And I'm not saying anything controversial or heretical when I say that. What I mean is that our understanding of Trinity has really come from the fact that God revealed way more to us through the New Testament than had ever been revealed to the Israelites. And so when we look at Old Testament passages that relate to the Holy Spirit, we have to be really careful about how we're going to interpret those passages because we've got lots of examples of words that can mean spirit, can mean breath, and so we have to decide what we're going to do with those passages. So we can take two approaches. Um, number one, we could select only the Old Testament passages that are explicitly stated as referring to the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. So if the New Testament quotes an Old Testament passage and says that's the Holy Spirit, we'll just use those, and those will be the only ones we use. The other approach we could use is we could just assume that wherever we have a reference to the Spirit of God in the Old Testament, we can make a direct equation with the Holy Spirit. That's very problematic. Who can can you all see why this might be problematic? Why would the top one be problematic? 
and you're telling them to believe the New Testament, I mean, they, they don't believe the New Testament, right? So, so it's mm-hmm. not going to be really the holy and water for them. Just, you just wrote a book to reference back to what we already have. Okay, that's true to a degree. Yep. What else? Well, the purpose of the New Testament was not to provide an explicit list of every reference in the Old Testament that we care about. So that's true. We're, we're sort of left to discern that and to seek wisdom. That's that's very true. It wasn't it that no one ever said this is the exhaustive list of every place the Holy Spirit is referenced. Right, the writers of the old, of the New Testament um, just were using Old Testament passages, of course, as the Holy Spirit led them to, because we know that all Scripture is God breathed. But to to emphasize and make the points that they're making, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's every reference to the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. What would be the problem with this one, do you think? Well, you get your standard problem when you just take a smaller set and try to expand it onto a greater set. And sometimes you might be wrong. Yeah, well, we the problem is there's there's going to be lots of references to spirit that isn't the Holy Spirit, first of all. And it we also have talked about, and this is where it gets a little thorny, is like, God is a God the Father, I should say, to be specific. God the Father is a person, correct? So as a person, he has a spirit, and I'm using that in lowercase s. Right? There, he, has an, he has an essence. That is not the third person of the Trinity whose name is Holy Spirit. So we have to know which one are we talking about? Are we talking about God's spirit, like his essence, like who he is? Or are we talking about the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit? So the, uh, the criteria for our passages, I think, needs to be the following. Number one, I think that we need to note those occurrences of Ruach, which can reasonably understood as relevant using what is known, a uh, big word, dialectical approach. So dialectical just means we're going to use our minds. We're going to be logical. We're going to try to use multiple uh, points of data to, dis- to determine, are we, is this talking about third person of the Trinity, or is it talking about something else? And um, we're going to note those times when Ruach is in a construct relationship with either Elohim or Yahweh, because that becomes very helpful. If, if it's the Ruach Elohim, that's much more likely to be Holy Spirit than if it's just Ruach. Uh, we're going to select, um, I already did this. So going back to this idea, I don't think we want to use either of these approaches. I, I think what we're going to do is, um, you know, be much more, um, much more three-dimensional in the way that we come at each of these scriptures. And so I think there's uh, 13 reasonably clear references in the former prophets and six more in Chronicles through Nehemiah. We're not going to cover them all but I think this will give us some, some things to look at in the historical books. So the, if you look at the evolution of the historical books, we've got some themes. So in Judges, the Spirit is primarily related to God's power to deliver His people. It's going to primarily be used in military uh, examples because that's what happens in Judges. If you've never read Judges, it's a lot of death and battles. It's like reading the third book of Lord of the Rings over and over and over and over again. I had this thought when I was reading through it. If I was a handwriting scribe, yes. I would have gotten 
very tired today. <laughs> right. And so so and so strayed from yeah. the ways of God. Yeah, they needed cut and paste for sure. Yes. Because they could have just cut and we're gonna see that. We're about to go through judges and you're gonna see the pattern and it's literally just like in Samuel, you're going to see the spirit associated with his adoption of chosen, his chosen king. Chronicles and Nehemiah, it's going to be in revealing his word. And in Kings, it's going to be, the emphasis is going to be on prophetic revelation. Thanks for listening. We pray this has been edifying. If you've enjoyed the show, please give us a shout out on your favorite social media platform. Scott's username on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram is Scott Ross Online. That's Scott Ross Online, all one word. Also, please remember to go to scottrossonline.com to subscribe, catch up on past episodes, and discuss what you've learned with others. Until next time, continue to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. God bless you.